mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy me. The mercy rule. Mercy hospital. Lord have mercy. Mercy shows up in so many places, not only at church, but in the larger culture, doesn't it? From the title of a movie to the name of a popular band to a rule in Little League sports, there are dozens of mercy hospitals around the United States. You may not have known this, but there are a fleet of hospital ships, the Mercy Class, the U.S. Navy's hospital ships. Um, You can find it just about anywhere, anywhere at least, that you would find people. Why? Because people need mercy. David, King David of the Old Testament, was a real person who needed mercy. He was a good man. He was a gifted man. He was a godly man. But he was a man. And every man and every woman needs mercy from time to time. And David's story, at least the highlights we are familiar with, anointed as a teenager to become the second king over all of Israel. David, the young man who alone faced that giant Goliath and defeated him by the power of God. David, who evaded capture as that paranoid King Saul sought to destroy him. David finally crowned king after several years of that. But out of all of the highlight material from his life, and there was plenty of it, well, you know where I'm going. There was also that time with Bathsheba. He stole another man's wife and ended up taking that man's life to cover up his sin. And by the way, that man Uriah was a close personal friend of David's. Think about that. Eventually, a broken-hearted David, overwhelmed by the guilt of his sin, devastated by his moral failure, got to his knees and cried mercy. Lord, have mercy. He confessed his sins to another friend of his, Nathan the prophet. He confessed his sins to God. And not only that, he confessed his sins, I guess you could say, in the most public way he possibly could have, at least in that time, uh, maybe the equivalent of Twitter or Facebook. He confessed his sins in the Hebrew songbook. He composed these lyrics to his song of confession, his cry for mercy in Psalm 51. It says this above the psalm, For the director of music, a psalm of David, 
when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you deserve truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. A preacher once had this dream. In the dream... He was headed up to heaven, floating upward. He eventually landed on this giant cloud with a a mammoth staircase coming out of the cloud and going up as far as he could see. And when he started walking up the stairs, an angel appeared and handed him a large piece of chalk and said that as he was walking up those stairs, he needed to mark as he went each step for each sin he had committed. Wow. And when he had already climbed and marked up hundreds of steps... He was surprised to see someone that he knew, someone that he recognized. It was one of his church elders who was actually coming back down the staircase. The preacher asked him, Hey, Tom, what's the deal? Why are you coming down the staircase? And the elder replied to him, I'm coming down to get more chalk. (laughs) I'm coming down to get more chalk. Paul wrote one time to everybody, for all have sinned, remember this one, and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are going to have to come down for more chalk. All of us, like David, stand in need of God's mercy, 
over and over again. That wasn't his only series of sins in that episode with Bathsheba. You know that, I know that. We are sinners. And the text I want to work with this morning from the book of Titus, it's only two verses long, but there is a lot packed into those two verses about God's mercy and our need. Now, the series that we have been working through called Take It In, we've kind of been looking at different attributes of God. And so this morning, more than learning more information, I hope, I hope that we can just, as we work through the text, that we can all just kind of pause and more than anything, just marvel in a worshipful, awful sense. Just marvel at the mercy of God. So here goes from Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. When God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, no, but because of what? His mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this today. The first thing, and this is just kind of a general observation, number one there on the outline is this, right? Mercy is one of the most mentioned qualities of God in the Bible. This verse talks about His mercy. You find His mercy in around 200 different places specifically mentioned in the Old and the New Testaments. It's mentioned all over the place. We could pretty much spend all day today, maybe part of tomorrow, just reading through these 200 verses about the mercy of God. He is merciful from beginning to end, and that, I think we can all agree, that is really good news for us. That is good news for people like you, people like me. Amen? God is merciful, 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 merciful. It's good news because mercy is for the messy. And when it comes to our sin and failure, and let me make this really personal, when it comes to your sin and your failure, you are a mess. And that gets us to the second thing about mercy this morning, just to kind of take in, to kind of consider. Here it goes. Mercy is a quality of God that exists and is visible only because of our sinfulness, only because of our messes. Mercies and messes always go together. Verse 4 says, He saved you, not because of your righteous acts. Wasn't because of that. Mercy is different, isn't it, from the other qualities of God that we have been taking in over the past few weeks. It's different for one big reason. His mercy requires our messiness. The holiness of God did not require our messiness. He was holy, He is holy, He always will, ho will be holy. That is independent of anything that we do or happens in the rest of the universe. His goodness, same thing. His love, always on display His love. From the beginning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit existed in a perfect love relationship. 
His wisdom, His wisdom has been evident from the dawn of time. His mercy, well, that's different. To be merciful, God (laughs) needs us. You aren't merciful. You aren't merciful when your three-year-old son Johnny is behaving like a perfect little angel. You don't need to be merciful. Now, when Johnny knocks over the card table with your nearly completed 100 or 1,000-piece puzzle of the Eiffel Tower, and it all comes crashing to the floor, you're going to need to be merciful. Mercy is for the messy. You can't be merciful. You can't be merciful unless somebody requires mercy. And God is merciful because broken people like you and me, we need it. Paul tells Titus that any relationship with God is in no way based on our merit, our performance, our righteous acts. It is based on His love and on His mercy. Hallelujah. And following this movement here, (laughs) this is where the rubber really meets the road. Number three, mercy, ah, it's easy to admire and difficult to administer because it always has to do with that word in verse five, sins. Verse five talks about our sins. And that little S on the end of that word is important here because it lets us know we're not talking about the general, the conceptual, the generic idea about sin. It is talking about our individual, particular sins. Each one. Each lie. Each deception. Each chalk mark, each lustful thought, each selfish act, each time you have lost your temper, each and every sin, our sins, on a conceptual level, God is merciful. On a conceptual level, we need to be a people of mercy, also Nice and tidy, isn't it? But the administration of mercy, the giving of mercy, that always has to do with very real, very specific wrongs. Let me put it another way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It is easy to sing about being a wretch. It is not so easy to worship beside someone who is acting like a wretch. When the wrongs get specific, mercy gets a little trickier, doesn't it? But here's the thing, a few bullet points there about this. Mercy only exists where there is a debt that is Ode. Track with me here. If mercy only exists where there is a real offense, a real debt that is owed, 
a real sin, then, this is that next bullet point there, then mercy can only be granted to those who do not deserve it. Mercy can only be granted to people who don't deserve it. It is a gift. It is not a paycheck. Mercy isn't easy because the only times you ever get an opportunity to be merciful is when someone has messed up. When your husband forgot your anniversary, it's a time for mercy. Or worse, when your spouse forgot their wedding vows and they cheated. Whoa. Mercy isn't easy. More clearly, the next bullet point there. Mercy is easy to accept but difficult to offer. Now you may be thinking, wait a second, be merciful when it comes to that? You're telling me I have to do that? No, I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm telling you what mercy is. We're defining it. Whether you choose to offer it, that's up to you. It is by nature difficult to offer. Because honestly, the other person doesn't ever deserve mercy when the other person needs mercy. What they deserve, what we all deserve, that's justice. This is what we deserve. Now, I can tell you with some confidence, just going back to that marriage idea, <laughs> if you base your marriage on justice, your marriage is not going to last very long. So back to God. What's the deal here? Because God is merciful. And we know from Scripture as well, God is, is just. His holiness demands perfection. Demands justice, demands righteousness unequivocally. And yet, His mercy and His grace, they give us something we don't deserve. Forgiveness. How does this work? So this is number four on the outline this morning. Mercy and justice come together at the cross where Jesus became the atonement for our sins. That's where they come together. And what Paul wants to talk to Titus about in terms of mercy is this idea. The cross, the washing away of our sins. This is where justice and mercy collide. I'm a sinner. What I deserve, I deserve justice. In other words, there needs to be an accounting for all of my wrongs. An accounting, a payment for all of my sins. I just can't get by a free pass for all of that stuff because it really was wrong. 
there are real, there's a real death that's owed there, a rebellion against the holy character of God, and the Lord who is holy and just, he can't just look at me and wink and say, eh, no big deal. On the cross, the penalty that his justice demanded was paid in full. Jesus took on himself the justice that you and I deserve. There on the cross, this is in verse 5 there in that passage from Titus, Jesus washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life. A new birth and a new life. We'll talk about that new life here in just a moment, but just to kind of sum that up, look, God is not some celestial softy, just kind of willing to look the other way when we mess up. He is faithful, He is holy, He is just. And on the cross, that comes together with His great mercy. Finally, finally, the very one who took my place on the cross, the very one who took that punishment upon himself, who received the justice that was deserved by me and me alone, that one, Jesus Christ, he is the one who now looks at me and looks at you, and he calls you and I to be people of mercy. One example is in Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. That's Jesus. That's Jesus, the one who bled and died for you. Looking at you and saying, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, i got to be honest with you. Considering that Jesus gave his life for me on Calvary, that his blood poured down upon that soil for me, considering that he poured over me the riches of undeserved mercies, how can I possibly refuse him when he asks me to be a person of mercy? Number five, mercy is seen in the lives of believers. We break cycles of hate and resentment because of the great mercy we have experienced. I can show mercy because I have been shown great mercy. As children of God, we simply have resources that other people don't. For starters, this means we shouldn't expect people, think about this, we shouldn't expect people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who don't know what He did for them at Calvary, we shouldn't expect those people to be merciful. That is an unrealistic expectation 
that we would have for those who are not Christians. Make sense? I mean, they may act mercifully. They may not act mercifully. But to put an expectation on them to live from these great resources of a people who know they've been forgiven much, well, it's not realistic. It's not realistic. But for those of us who have received mercy, Jesus says, be merciful. Just as your Father is merciful. This morning, you might be, might, might be like David. <laughs> Needing to cry out this morning to God, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Or today, for you, might be the day that you accept Jesus. Accept what he did for you at Calvary. Accept the Lord's mercies. Walk in that freedom. Walk in that forgiveness. Not only a new, not only forgiveness of sins, right? Paul tells Titus a new birth, but to walk in a new life, he tells Titus. You can do that this morning, being buried in baptism with Jesus and beginning to walk as a disciple of Jesus, as a curse breaker, as a cycle of hate and violence breaker, as a person with a ministry of reconciliation and mercy, because through Christ you can become a child of mercy. Or maybe this morning... Today's kind of a turning point for you where you, you kind of come to terms with this calling to be this new person with this new life. Maybe today in light of the cross, in light of the blood-bought mercy Jesus has poured over you, you just need to walk out of here with a fresh perspective on who you are in Jesus and who you've been called to be. Maybe you just need prayers. However, you need to respond to God who sits on the mercy seat. Respond to him this morning as we stand together.